morning, Gator Nation. Welcome to the official National Signing Day recap slash 2022 recruiting class wrap-up episode of the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. As that name suggests, it is time to put a bow on the 2022 recruiting class. A bit of a disappointing finish to the class. NSD definitely did not go the way a lot of us expected or hoped. Overall, though, not a terrible class by any means. And now, pending Arliss Boardingham, now the class is canon. Now it is done. It is in the history books, of course, with that one guy still at large. But we will talk about all of that in a few moments. Of course, I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, as well as on Instagram with that same at name, and on Facebook and YouTube at In All Kinds of Weather. I am, of course, as always, joined by my recruiting-centric co-host, Dustin Smith. You can follow him at I-A-K-O-W Dustin on Twitter. He'll be on in a moment. He had a late night at work tonight, so he's setting up his mic right now while he's doing that. Um, Sponsor time. As usual, we are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. For those of you that are new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses it to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. We pay for their flights. We pay for the rental cars necessary, uh, hotels, game tickets, gear, all kinds of swag, and just generally make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are looking for someone to send to the swamp in 2022. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And number two, it is run by a Florida Gator fan. So yes, they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. So let's get the show on the road. Dustin, um, the 2022 recruiting class was, again, not a terrible one by any means. It did finish in the top 20. And just as a little preview of something that I think both of us are going to say quite a bit throughout the show, this class was ranked in the low 80s when Billy Napier took over. And in two months, it, because that, that was just the damage that Dan Mullen did on the trail. Dustin's rolling his eyes. Uh, but that's, that's just the extent of the damage that Dan Mullen did on the trail. It was ranked in the low 80s when Billy Napier took over. And in two months, he pulled it into the teens. And yeah, typically when a new coach comes in with a new staff and promises, you know, new age, new school, like, you know, new Florida, the new Gator standard, whatever, that's always going to generate some excitement. There's, always going to be a new wave of guys committing, buying into the program after the previous coaches, players decommitted after he left or gets fired. That's always going to happen. But usually that new wave typically bumps a class up from like 45 to 32. I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air here. I don't have any data on that, but, but typically it's not such a gargantuan jump that when you're scrolling down, on the 247 sports composite rankings, you don't have to click the load more button 
when the guy leaves and it's at its worst. And then when the new wave is done, you suddenly find them in the first or second row of screenshots. When you're you know, scrolling down on your phone, you see the class in the top 15 to 20 or so. That doesn't happen. Napier has done something that is extremely unusual in rising this class up from outside the top 80 to inside the top 20. So got to keep that perspective and got to keep that context, as Dustin says. And we'll talk about all that much more in a minute, but I just wanted to establish that from the get-go. Now, with that said, Wednesday was very disappointing. There's no way around it. Florida had a lot of top-tier guys put Gator hats on the table. A lot of guys that Florida felt good about some 96 to 120 hours before recording this podcast ago, and very few of them picked Florida. So I guess that's where we start, Dustin. Uh, we finally got the mic on. We're good to go. Dustin, I've been talking long enough. You got your mic working, so you get first crack at this. We're just talking National Sign Day for now. Not the overall class, but just NSD. What did you take away from signing day for the Florida Gators? Obviously, Neil, there were some big-time players that we were in the running for that we unfortunately did not get. And uh, I know that I like to be the more optimistic of, of the bunch. Um, but I was disappointed. Uh, I really felt good um, coming into today about Perkins and Matthews, um, as well as a few other guys. Um, and, you know, as y'all could see by the predictions that we put out on, on Twitter, um, I did feel good. I wasn't just trying to be optimistic. I had, I had enough information to put my name on that pick. And we, we didn't hit on some of the players that I thought we would. And uh, I, I think overall, I think today um, wasn't necessarily the best of days. Um, however, we have to understand context and I know you're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, but we have to understand that we did get some big time recruits, uh, during the early signing period, um, that if those guys were to, if they were to have waited on their commitment and their signing to today, I think we'd be having a different conversation today. So I think within the context of it being a transition class, the context of, you know, Napier building his army, as we like to say, um, I think that we can uh, be confident moving forward. Um, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. Uh, I'm not about to jump ship. Um, in fact, uh, I'm anything but that, honestly. I'm, I'm completely bought into Billy Napier, what he's got going on, uh, the scared money, don't make money mantra. And I think part of that mantra is you uh, – you, you go for a swing and, you know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. And unfortunately we missed in some guys. Um, some of these guys really wanted to be Gators, but ultimately other, other circumstances, family, so on and so forth prevailed. And this is where we sit. Um, I'll just say this where we're, uh, according to the two, four, seven sports last time I checked, um, in the team rankings, we are above FSU. So all y'all, Florida State trolls who were joking about us being 82. Well, hello and see ya. Yeah, that that is always going to be funny, and and I'm, you know how much I hate the 247 composite rankings, but I do I do understand that that there is a degree of science to them, and and I I, I do respect them to a degree. I just don't like the idea of someone going, you know, someone from ESPN going, yeah. 
you know, he hasn't played football in two months, but I don't know. I'm looking over this kid's tape and oh my God, he just mossed this guy. I'm going to make this wide receiver from Oregon the last five-star on our service. And that's going to just unfortunately bump Kamari Wilson down to a four-star, even though there's no apparent reason for that. And that, of course, because composite means they're compiling the rankings from other services, that's going to drop him down. But yeah, I never thought Florida had a real shot with uh, with Jacoby Matthews. I, I know that, you know, being from Poncatula, Louisiana, he had a lot of interest in LSU. Corey Matthews, or I'm tired. It's late, late, late on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, Corey Raymond coming over from LSU to Florida was going to swing his opinion on the Gators a little bit. That relationship was going to help him out. He winds up going to neither school. He winds up going to A&M, but I thought he was pretty solidly LSU. Point being, he goes from a not Florida school to another not Florida school. So that doesn't really concern us. The two that that had me a, a bit disappointed were Trevante Citizen and Harold Perkins. And I'll start with Citizen because I, I'm surprised when I think about it. I don't I don't think shocked is is an accurate way to put it. Because for one thing, Florida's running back room is just loaded. You got Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman. Now we have Trevor Etienne. Now we have Montreal Johnson. He would have been running back number six in that running back room. But I had thought he was coming to Florida because I had thought the plan was to redshirt him in 22, play him sparingly in 23, and then in 2024, Bowman, Lingard, Wright, and possibly uh, and probably Montreal Johnson are all gone. Um, so he'd be the featured back or one of two featured backs in 24. I thought that was the plan. I thought he bought into that plan. Then Miami comes in out of nowhere in the final 96 to 120 hours of the recruiting cycle or so and grabs him. And the puzzling thing to me is that the Canes running back room is kind of deep too. So that sucked. But ultimately, again, we will be able to survive that because of the five running backs we have in our running back room. The one that really would have been nice to get, of course, Harold Perkins, the five-star linebacker out of Texas. But initially, he's from Louisiana. He's got family still in New Orleans. He did say when he committed, I'm coming back home. And LSU, let's let's remember, LSU had been recruiting him since way before Brian Kelly got there. Yeah, it's a transition class for LSU, just the way it's a transition class for Florida. Brian Kelly beat Billy Napier out for this kid in both of their zero with recruiting classes. I'm not going to call it their first classes because it's it's class number zero for them. It's not a real class for them. It's a transition class. So Brian Kelly in his transition class beating Billy Napier in his transition class isn't really a lot of fun to sit back and think about, but ultimately doesn't really tell us a whole lot about how either of them are going to do in head-to-head battles against each other when they're both working with a full cycle. But more on that in a little bit. Now, he'd been taking visits there with Ed Orgeron. I mean, he didn't even visit Florida or have an in-home until January. After New Year's Day, he had nothing to do with Florida until the calendar flipped over to 22. Compare that to LSU, who'd had him on campus for two different visits before Kelly was hired. So, I mean, this is all about football, right? We're talking about playing football eventually. So I'll, I'll compare this to a football game. 
if Perkins' recruitment was a football game, imagine a game where LSU goes up 31-0 after three quarters of play. So heading into the We Are the Boys and Tom Petty, it's 31-0 LSU because Florida's had no contact with him. I mean, they, they offered him under Dan Mullen. They didn't have any real interest in him, or at least they didn't show any in him until Napier comes over. So 31-0 after three quarters. Fourth quarter begins. Florida scores five straight touchdowns while LSU kicks a field goal in between, I guess, in this analogy. They weren't held scoreless in the fourth quarter because they did maintain contact with him. Um, but anyway, Florida now has come back from 31-0 down to leading 35-34 with 52 seconds to go in the game. And in those 52 seconds, LSU drives in the field goal range and kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires, and they win 37-35. So just, just think about that. No, that was a lot, but just take a second to think about that. Down 31-0 at the start of the fourth quarter, you score five straight touchdowns to put yourself ahead while they manage just a field goal. And from 31-0 down, you take a 35-34 lead with 52 seconds left. That's an incredible comeback to even get yourself back into the game, much less take a lead. Because Florida, as it seemed, had the upper hand with him for a little while. They had the advantage with him. Florida fans and insiders alike thought they were they had a, at least had a good chance to get him. And then LSU comes up comes back at the last second and takes him away. So we don't do moral victories here. No, to hell with that. We lost. Coming close doesn't do shit, for lack of a better way to put it. It doesn't mean he's going to be playing 60% of his plays for LSU and 40% of his plays for Florida. No, 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 no. He's, he's LSU. But what this does is it gives us an indication of how future battles might go for Napier at Florida. Kind of like – I, I guess like if we take it a lead against Alabama last year in the swamp and then they came back and won the last minute, except losing by even more than just 21, three. Cause again, Florida has no contact with this kid until almost new year's day of 22 and they get a hat on the table. So doesn't help us with him unless, you know, decides to transfer, but barring that doesn't help with him, but it does bode very, very well for Florida with future battles. So Dustin, Let's let's zoom out now and talk about the class as a whole. Because uh, Florida did get a couple of guys in the last couple of days of NSD. They did get a preferred walk-on in, in Bryce Capers, a linebacker. They did get Caleb Douglas, a nice wide receiver. They did get Jack Pyburn, a, an edge guy from Bowles in Jacksonville. They did pick up a couple guys. But let's zoom out now and talk about the class in its entirety. So overall – what do you think about this class? And and specifically, what do you think about the job Napier did to bring the class out of the 80s where it was where it was when Mullen left and into the teens? And what do you think that means moving forward? I think Napier did a good job, Neil. Um, it's really hard to gauge, honestly. Um I I think I think we, we both need to really uh, look at how the rest of um, the spring and and uh, and going into um, fall camp, how how things play out as far as transfers and and uh, both out and into the program. Um, but if you want to if you want to look at the, this class as a whole, and if you include transfers, um, I think Baper did pretty good in in, in terms of that. 
Um, the big issue that I'm finding is there's quite a few what we would both probably call diamonds in the rough, and we'll, we'll get to that later in the pod. Um, but and I, I hate to bring up PTSD for for any of any of the um, those that are watching or, or listening, I should say. Um, but this class kind of reeks uh, Macawinian uh, tra- um, transition class. I mean, you look back at that transition cl- trans- transition class with McElwain. We came in um, the mostly three stars. We had a couple. Um, we had two exceptional players in Martez Ivy and CC Jefferson, um, both of which were pretty good, but didn't quite live up to their expect to the the bill um, and expectation that they that they had uh, come in with. Um, but overall, that wasn't really a class that we look back and get excited about. Um, I think I think bottom line, I think we have to trust the process. I think we have to trust the plan that Napier has. We have to trust that he has come in to do a job, um, that he's, he's, he's building the right infrastructure. The, the, the big difference between McElwain and Napier is McElwain did not build an infrastructure. The, the, the biggest accomplishment that McElwain came in and did was the IPF, the indoor practice facility. Beyond that, he didn't bring the staff. I mean, for crying out loud, we had freaking Greg Nord on the staff. I think that's that's all I need to know. Mike Ken and Greg Nord, those two guys. Okay, we right Jeez, now we talk got, about PTSD. That's, I mean that that that's like maybe a step or two less awful than Georgia Southern. Yes, you're, you're really digging for the wounds today, man. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, I think we got to trust the process, and I'm I'm excited about the future. I already said this, but I'm I'm a little bit disappointed today. Um, but within context, I'm not worried whatsoever. Um, I I like the class. Um, I don't love it. I like it. Obviously, Kamari Wilson. Um, I'm really big on. Uh, I'm really big on David Connor. Um, he's one of the he's one of the more underrated. Uh, offensive tackles in the class um, at six seven, uh, he has he has some weight to gain, um, but I think he's going to be a big time and literally big time. Um, and we've already discussed this at nauseum, but Shamar James, he is a guy that I'm ecstatic that we have in the class. He's a guy that we took out of the state of Alabama. He's a guy that was um, committed under Mullen, uh, decommitted, and then and then and then committed again with Napier uh, when we didn't even have a linebackers coach. And he's a guy that I, I mean, I'm obviously not a recruiting service, but based on my humble evaluation of Shamar James, I consider him to be a five-star. You look at his tape, you look at his uh, verified speed, you look at his uh, functional movement, as Napier likes to say, he's a five-star. It's not, not official. Not composite, but he's a five-star. Same with Kamari Wilson. Ha! The fact that Kamari Wilson got demoted from a five-star, as you mentioned, I think that's all we need to all we need to speak in terms of the recruiting services. But you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll save my my rant for another day and and another tweet. But 
Another yeah. Series of tweets. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. not an exact science, but I do think that there is some. There, it's it's grounded in some form of reality. Those those rankings, you just can't take them as an as a precise science. It's like, I, I don't know. I I'm gonna guess it's probably about. 60% art and 40% science or maybe 70, 30. There's clearly some science. There are people who are paid to evaluate recruits and do basically nothing else other than, you know, they have to be decent at, at, at writing, but there's really nothing else that goes into their job requirements. And that's not a knock on them. It just means that they do it so often that they have to be right to a degree. So if you see a kid who's a five-star on all the recruiting rankings and you see another kid who's a preferred walk-on the chances are that five star is a better player and a more highly touted recruit than the preferred walk-on like that's just you know there's 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 a level of just basic common sense that goes into this but i my my gripe with the recruiting services is how when when some rando working for you know rivals or scout or scout doesn't exist anymore but you know what i mean like like on three or some other service that that they use to compile these rankings just randomly decides while he's sipping on his sprite at his desk yeah i'm gonna clock out in four minutes i gotta do something here to show my boss i was productive today what can i do oh yeah let's just strike this fifth star away from kamari wilson and that drops florida's class down because he goes from a five star to a four star in the composite rankings and now by three hundredths of a point florida's outside the top 10 behind fsu and georgia at, at say nine and ten this is all just shooting off the hip making up an example but i'm saying like if florida's now 11 behind georgia and fsu at nine and ten and they go ha, 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 look at you outside the top 10 napier can't in the top 10 class now like that's that's just where i roll my eyes and say okay you know you guys have your coaching staff. We have ours. We'll see you in Jacksonville. And if you beat us there, great. So be it. Or we'll see you in Tallahassee or Gainesville with FSU. You beat us there, great. So be it. I'll shake your hand and say, you know what? Your team beat mine. Good for you. Congratulations. I'll go buy you a beer so you can you can troll me more. But this idea of being a failure because your class is – four or five hundredths of a percentage point outside the top 10. And everyone's talking about the glory of a top 10 class and the status that goes along with having a top 10 recruiting class or top five recruiting class. It just is a waste of time to me. Real quick. I, I have to interject this. So I, I've been validated, Neil. I know that, that <laughs> you and yeah, I, you we're, 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 we are mainly, we are mainly tuned in to the 247 sports composite that's in many cases the, the most popular of, of the four that are that are out there um, in commonplace. But Rivals has Shamar James, a five-star, and the number one linebacker in the country. Shamar that's James. Great. That's great. I mean, good for him. A Florida commit, five-star. The number one linebacker in the country. So all this boo-hoo, we didn't get Perkins. Look, we got Shamar James. Think about that. Context. Imagine if we if we if we got Shamar James today. Imagine if we got Kabari Wilson today. Imagine if we got Chris McClellan today. Imagine if we got Trevor Etienne today. 
what would the pundits and the prognosticators, how would we be reacting right now? I'd be reacting in, in a slightly happier fashion for sure. Um, I think it would definitely make us feel better moving forward, but feeling better doesn't equate to having a better class than you would have if your guys committed on different days on the calendar. So, I mean, my reaction to Shamar, Shamar James being a five-star now on Rivals is the same as it was with Kamari Wilson getting his fifth star ripped away. Okay, cool. I'm happy. I love Shamar James. We're going to talk about the, the, the commits and the members of this class in more detail in a second, but it's just – it's so haphazard. There's been nothing to go by recently. There's the, the, what? There was an all-star game – Back in, in January, in the first weekend of January, when Trevor Etienne committed, there was another one that same week. Okay, that's it. That's all you're going to go by from the last update two and a half months ago to now. And maybe a couple of other offers come in late, and that makes you think the kid is worth another start. I just, I don't know. Shamar, Shamar is a fantastic player. And, and I'll, you know what, that actually leads me perfectly into the next point that we have to get to. That's, I mean, I was already going to be led into that next point perfectly, but you just made the lead up even more perfect. So basically, um, I just went into this whole spiel about how much I hate 247 sports composite rankings. And, and I don't know, not as much the rankings themselves as much as how people buy into them as a precise science, um, which I get to a degree because it is a tangible piece of proof as to where your class stands. And yes, after hearing FSU jabber on about the rankings and now that we've passed them, all the way from the low 80s, yeah, I'm 100% going to throw that back in their faces. But personally, I'm just about as interested in the class rankings as I am my little pony. I, 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 just, I, I just don't care that much. So anyway, I judge players, and I think a lot of people do too, now that I think about it. But I rate, my, I rate the Gator players on three things. Their offer lists, their, their high school tape, and how they do it at camps and other – other public events like Friday night lights for the Gators, um, elite 11s, the all American game practices and, and, and games and so on. Like how you do against other top competition. And if one of those three things is great and the other two suck, like if you have offers from Alabama, Georgia, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Oregon, and you go to camps and you just shit the bed. Well, mm, now we got a red flag there. Um, but if you have all those offers, say from, you know, Clemson, Auburn, Miami, uh, Pitt, you're, you're a three or four star, but then you go to camps and you dominate and that validates the high school tape where you also dominate. Now we have a kid that's okay. He's doing pretty well against these other four and five star kids. Maybe he's a fringe three or four star, but these reps are looking pretty good. Maybe we have a baller here. So the, the totality of those three things are what I look for. Now, more, to, more often than not, the kids that, that meet those criteria and thus are anointed ballers by yours truly, chances are those kids are going to have high rankings in the recruiting systems. So I, I acknowledge that there's a lot, of, a lot of parallel there, a lot of common ground there in that sort of Venn diagram. But I guess, Dustin, the question is this. With, with those criteria in mind, because I know you watched the tape too, with those criteria in mind, did the Florida Gators, with the, the, the limited time that Billy Napier had, did the Florida Gators load up their class with ballers? 
Yes. I mean, from the top, Kamari Wilson, Chris McClellan, Devin Moore, Shamar James, Caleb Douglas. I mean, look at Caleb Douglas. He's a guy who has so much upside. He is a guy, he's a guy with, he's speedy, he has good hands. Napier and, and, uh, and Colbert seem to really like him. And you look at somebody like, uh, and, and I know you're going you're gonna to correct me on his name, um, but Jack Pyburn, or, or how do you pronounce that? that? No, it's Pyburn. Pyburn, okay, great. I, I'm, I'm a old kid. Yeah. I mean, the competition up there is insane. I mean, look at Farmer. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's a guy that Alabama wanted. I mean, Neil, I mean, we could go on and on. There is ballers on this list. I mean, I didn't even talk about Trevor Etienne. I mean, he, that guy's electric. I, I have to ask you, Neil. I, I think I know the answer, but have you spent more than, more than 10 seconds watching Trevor's film? Yeah. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, that that's definitely someone that qualifies as a baller. Um, the I mean the the obvious answer to this is yes, Florida got ballers because if you land more than like two or three of these guys, you have to say yes. The the thing is though, you have an allotment of somewhere between twenty to thirty spots available, depending on how big your previous classes were, depending on transfers, attrition, all that kind of stuff. Did Florida fill its class? with ballers and that's where you say no because yes there are guys like you mentioned like mcclellan like devin moore like kamari wilson uh like jalen farmer and you talk about transfers Mark montreal johnson that's a baller osiris torrance that's a baller jalen kimber that's a baller florida got a good number of them they just didn't get as many as they possibly could have there were spots available for Jacoby Matthews, who I, like I said earlier, I didn't think Florida ever had a shot at. There were spots available for, uh, for, for Harold Perkins, for hell, even for DJ Allen, who went to TCU. There was a spot open for Trevante Citizen. There were spots open that Florida could have filled with more ballers. And now, you know, keep it respectful, but keep it real. They're going to have to settle for backup options. They're going to have to hit the portal a little bit harder now. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about Max Brown. That's, I'm sure that's a great kid. His tape was pretty damn good. That's a backup option at QB. That is not who Florida wanted at QB. It's the best they could have possibly gotten in the short time that they had, but that's not their primary guy. So Florida got a good number of ballers. There are a, a lot of guys here that I think are going to be able to play and play well for the Gators and potentially very quickly depending on the position they're going to be stepping into. But Florida probably got about 50 to 60% of their class uh, being ballers and the rest of them being depth or filler pieces. So, Dustin, uh, it's hard to really say that we know where Florida is going to go from here. Um, like I said, at the top of the show, Arliss Boardingham is still at large. Um, so. Aside from him, though, the class is now canon. We have all the information we're going to have, minus that one piece of the puzzle, um, which we will get soon. But let's look ahead for just a moment now to 2023. We talked about, you know, what he did in the short time span that he had, you know, pulling in as many guys as he did that late in the process, especially the early signing period. That was tremendous. 
um, your, your, your point about the timing is good about, you know, if we landed Trevor Etienne today, or if we landed him on Wednesday, if we landed Devin Moore on Wednesday, if we landed Chris McClellan all on Wednesday, and that was how we closed the class, but the class was, you know, in the thirties or forties before today, the narrative would be different. Oh, look at how he finished the class, but ultimately it wouldn't make the class any different than it is today. That point is good. I'd also argue though, that Florida had chances to close on several different players that they did not close on which is a point that, you know, you've made yourself, you've agreed with me on. I would argue that that does put a slight damper into things, but then again, Napier was not working with a full cycle. Napier was working with shit for a foundation with Dan, with, you know, what Dan Mullen left him. Uh, I mean, if, if Mullen had a better infrastructure here and Mullen just quit for, for say health reasons, maybe Isaiah Bond stays committed. Maybe Julian Humphrey stays committed. Does a Jaden Gibson come to Florida? If say Dan Mullen had retired at the end of the year for health reasons, like Urban Meyer did, and the program doesn't just go tits up on us. If the program is like 10 and two and in a new year six bowl, and he just steps away and, you know, calmly hands over the reins of the program to Billy Napier without there being a tsunami crashing down on us. And we're not starting looking all the way up at Indiana and Stanford and probably even FAU for a minute in the mid eighties, you know, does the narrative change that if Napier's got those guys and is starting from relatively good footing, but now we're going to talk about a clean slate. We're going to wipe that clean. We're going to talk about 2023 for a minute. Dustin, what have you seen from Napier in this class that makes you think, cause I know, I know you're the optimist. What have you seen from this class that makes you think that 2023 could be the special class for Florida? Well, when you're talking about recruiting classes, it all comes down to the players. And I'm not going to look any further than Cormani McLean. He's a guy who I'm exceptionally excited about. I mean, I believe I've said this in the pod, but we have Corey Raymond as the uh, – the quarterbacks coach for the Florida Gators. And, you know, you want to talk about DBU? Corey Raymond is DBU. He is the lead professor for DBU. He was the lead guy at LSU during their longtime run as DBU. And now he's back. And guess what else is back? DBU. And Cormani McLean is a guy that I like. Um, I like his skill. Uh, he's one of the best players in the country. Um, the 247 Sports Composite has him as the number four overall player in the country. He's the number one corner and the number one player out of the state of Florida for next year. So I think he's a guy that Florida – I think I think Florida's going to get him. I, there's no doubt in my mind at this point. I know a lot can change in the next 365 days or some odd, but I, I, I feel really good about our chances to get him. When we get him, I think that the, the rest of the class will follow. This is a class that, I, I mean, I know I'm the, I'm the eternal optimist, but I think we're going to get a top four, top five class. Um, it's going to be hard to compete with the likes of Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, Ohio State, um, but I think we'll be right up there. Yeah, I think there's a point to that. Um I mean, like I said earlier with 
with Perkins. I think the fact that Florida was even able to get in it with him to even get a hat on the table, like I said in that analogy, when, when you're down 31 nothing to start the fourth quarter, when you're singing We Are the Boys and Tom Petty, when you're down 31 nothing there, and then to take a lead in the game is pretty remarkable. And again, Florida lost that battle. He is going to LSU. He will play for the Tigers. It's not a situation where, well, we came close, so that's a W. No, 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 we lost that. But I'm thrilled at the idea that we came so close to a guy that was that had – I mean, really, he's got LSU in his blood. I mean, he's from New Orleans. His family is all in New Orleans. He said in his commitment, I'm coming back home. And we got a hat on the table for him after not even contacting the guy for two years. So, you know, since, since we offered him, we apparently had very little, if any contact with him. You know, we know the story about, um, about Lee Begley contacting recruits uh, through Mullen and, and then uh, other coaches catching onto it and asking the kids to, you know, text quote unquote, Dan back to FaceTime them real quick to prove it was him. So on and so forth. So anyway, I think the point is good about, yeah, get the one guy and the rest of the class will follow because we we have seen Napier get the big guy before he got Kamari Wilson. He got Devin Moore. He got Trevor Etienne. You land guys like that early in the class and you have them start recruiting the way that you know Chief Borders was recruiting, the way that Kamari Wilson himself was recruiting, the way that Shamar James was recruiting on behalf of the program. And you're going to get guys to really buy into a vision of, yeah, Look at all these other ridiculously talented kids all coming to Florida. Maybe I should join them. Maybe there's a reason they're all coming to Florida. Maybe, maybe I'm going to be a Gator too. So, yeah, let's let's see if if um, Napier can do that with a full cycle at his disposal. All right, Dustin. Last little segment before we call it a show. We call it Vine Talk because we'd like to keep it short and concise, but. You know, I live and I learn just like everyone else does. We, we cannot possibly keep it to 10 seconds. So we're going to add a few seconds on it. We're going to give both of us 15 seconds to go through some of the superlatives for this class. So we're going to start with you with the most likely freshman to play right away, not including transfers, not Osiris Torrance or Jalen Kimber, because those are obvious. The most likely freshman to play right away. 15 seconds on the clock. Go ahead. For me, this one's easy. I'm going to go with Shamar James. I think he's going to play early. Um, I'm not saying he'll start, but he will definitely have a role and get quite a bit of playing time. That's a good pick. I'm going to say Kamari Wilson, just because Florida secondary has a lot of problems now that Kyer Elam is gone. Uh, He's not a corner, but you know, with, with Rashad Torrance back there as one good piece, you're still going to need a second good piece back there. I don't think anyone has really wowed me so far at safety aside from Torrance. So I think in, in some kind of package, he will play right away as a freshman in the secondary fourth floor. All right. The biggest head-to-head recruiting win over a rival. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up a little bit on you, Dustin. We're both going to say Kamari Wilson. I know we are. So he's off the board for this one. The second biggest head-to-head recruiting win over a rival for Florida. I'm going to have to go with, again, Shamar James. 
I mean, we were fighting with the likes of Alabama and Georgia for him, and we got him. Okay, that's good. I'm going to say Trevor Etienne away from LSU. That was his hometown team. I know he really liked Clemson too, but LSU was, was thought to be second for him. Billy Napier rode west to Louisiana and took him away. So pretty big win for Florida there. Shamar James, obviously a good pick too, but try to be different uh, in, in, in these little senses whenever possible. So, all right, next one. The most underrated recruit. Or I should say now the most underrated signee. I'm going to go with Hayden Hansen, the tight end out of West Texas. He is a guy that Napier raved on and on about for about two to three minutes on his press conference earlier today. He's a guy who has all the measurables that you want in a tight end. He's 6'6", 250. Um, and he's a guy that transitioned from quarterback to tight end. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of tape on him, and, and he didn't have the best junior year per, per Napier. Um, but I really like his senior year tape, and I think he's a guy with a great upside, and I think he'll make a big impact on the Gators uh, during his career here. Am I saying he's a Kyle Pitts? No. Does he have to be Kyle Pitts? No. Is anybody else going to be Kyle Pitts over the next five, ten years? Probably not. That's not who I want to compare him to. I, I want a guy who is reliable. I want a guy that when you throw him the ball, he'll catch it. More importantly than that, I want a guy who's going to block. Napier is, I mean, he, he likes throwing the ball, but his bread and butter is running. And you're not going to have an effective run offense if your tight ends can't block. And we've, I'm not going to name any names, but we've had tight ends in the past that have not put blocking a priority and it's hurt us there's way over 15 seconds dude i know, I know. um but <laughs> worth it because good analysis uh definitely a good pick i'm tempted to go with max brown because you never know when you're gonna need your fourth string quarterback or your third string quarterback or so how about some love for the kicker trey smack no one is talking about him anymore we talked about him oh my god what a name trace he's smack. a five-star smack yeah, he's a five-star on the kicking service. He's a three-star on the 247 Sports uh, Composite Rankings, which, again, is what everybody really goes by. He's a five-star kicker, I think, on Corn Blue Kicking Services. But kickers as a whole are not particularly highly thought of when it comes to filling out a recruiting class. But look at Evan McPherson. Look at what he did for the Bengals this year. Look at what he did for Florida the last three years. And then look at how we lost the game to Alabama and the game to Kentucky in 2021 because of our kicking situation. So I don't know if he's going to get the immediate nod at kicker for Florida, but I do imagine he'll get looks. I do imagine after the just absolute disaster of a kicking situation in 21, he's going to get a lot of favoritism from this new staff uh, as he starts his career in Gainesville. All right, a couple more. Most likely to become an All-American at Florida on offense. You, you can give me a transfer, you can, but you also have to give me a freshman, an incoming freshman. Okay. You, you can say Torrance, but then you have to give me a freshman too. All right, I got you. So in addition to Osiris, who's kind of my, uh, my wild card, um, I'm going to go with the freshman, and I'm going to do Trevor Etienne. He's a guy that 
you know, it's not going to be immediate, but maybe by 2024, he'll be right up there as an All-American. Okay, good picks, I think. Yeah, it's, as as far as transfers go, it's got to be Osiris Torrance. Um, I mean, he was an all Sunbelt guy last year. Um, in terms of freshmen, uh, I, I got to go ETN as well. I, I want to be different from you. I want to give the listeners, you know, more perspectives and more, you know, more more possible. Um, insight and analysis and different analysis of that, but it's, it's really hard to argue against Trevor Etienne being the most likely to become an All-American on offense with the Gators. He is so electric. The thing with him, again, will be, will he get enough touches to be an All-American? Because Florida's always going to have a lot of other running backs for him to compete with, whether that's, you know, this year, Naquan Wright, uh, Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman. In the future, Florida could bring in some more studs at running back. Um, so it's good that that's going to be what holds him back. If anything, if Florida deploys a two or three running back system, but he is unbelievably talented and I think will make it a very big impact for the Gators defense. Same question. Most likely to become an all American at Florida on defense. Yeah, man. Um, and that's honestly much easier than the offensive side because of how, how, uh, our defense did or how we did recruiting defense. And I'm going to have to go with a guy who, who I already mentioned, but I'm going to go with Shamar James. Um, like I mentioned earlier, he is the number one overall linebacker in the country um, via rivals. And I think that's going to translate to being the number one overall linebacker in the country at some point during his time in Florida. Okay. Good pick. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue against him. And uh, if it's not going to be Shamar James for this one, it would have to be Kamari Wilson. But just to give the, the listener something new to listen to, I'll make an argument for Chris McClellan. I know that the tape at Oklahoma or from the state of Oklahoma with high school kids is a bit inflated because the competition isn't really what it is in Florida or Georgia or Texas or California or even Louisiana. But he is so dominant in that high school tape. And when he gets his chances at camps, he does a pretty good job. So, I mean, he was in the All-American Bowl. Um, I think some people said he was, he was projected as a second or third round pick. Some of those scouts on 247 that I just got through railing against how I hate the science that they're supposed to be putting out. But, um, I mean, he's just so dominant against this competition. And I imagine with a little bit of help from Mark Hockey and the new strand staff, he's going to be a real problem for the Gators uh, opponents to have to deal with. So slightly different question than all the last four. It's going to encompass a little bit of all the prior superlatives into this one. Last one, Dustin, the best overall signee for the Florida Gators. Neil? I think that one's easy. I have to go with five-star Kamari Wilson. And yes, I want to emphasize that Kamari Wilson is a five-star. And yes, I spent a lot of time raving about Shamar James, but Kamari Wilson, he's already enrolled. He's already taking classes at Florida, and he's already making a difference in the program. Yeah. I mean, Kamari Wilson has to be the pick. I, you know, I, I talked about how I want to be different, just give listeners different analysis and perspectives, but 
he he is the best overall signee for Florida. Shamar James, fantastic. He, I think, will be a tremendous linebacker for Florida. I think Kamari Wilson is going to be even better at safety than Shamar James is at linebacker. And there's there's a little bit of motivation, Shamar. Um, you're listening to this. You hear this. You, you get a little slighted by it. Go prove me wrong, man. Go out there and be an All-American. Go out there and be a first-round draft pick. Uh, I love them both. If, if it's if it was not Kamari, I would say Shamar. But these are, you know what? For 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 purposes of um, for for purposes of just getting the fan base a little bit more excited, these are two elite signees for Florida. Not good or really good or pretty good pickups. These are two elite signees for Florida. Billy Napier is responsible for both of them. So that's that's a pretty good way to end the show. Um, and I know that the, the taste in our mouths is going to be sour. That you know, was left with us because that's the last impression we have of the class was whiffing on Harold Perkins and Trevante Citizen. Um, and, and in some people's cases, uh, I guess they consider Jacoby Matthews a whiff. Um, but Florida got some ballers in this class, guys. They got some elite signees in this class. They got some guys that are going to be tremendous impact players for Florida. In a lot of cases, pretty quickly. In some cases, it'll take a little bit longer. But this class did the job that I always say you have to do. You have to load the class with as many ballers as you possibly can. That, I mean, that's ultimately what it is. That's what the recruiting services are all about. I just, I don't like the haphazard way with which some of the star rankings are tweaked, but that's ultimately what they evaluate as well. And everyone agrees that Florida got a good number of those types of players, high four-star, five-star, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Florida got a lot of guys that can play in the SEC, play well in the SEC, possibly even earn some awards in the SEC and can make the Florida Gators better for them having gotten them to enroll in their school and put on the orange and blue. Again, Neil, and again, I'm, I'm going to continue to say this. I, I sound like I'm beating a dead, a dead horse but it's important to understand context. Um, I know I just say this. I know it sucks that we lost a major recruiting battle to uh, Mr. Player Humper himself, um, Kelly. Uh, it sucks. I'm. It's disappointing that we lost Perkins. But you know, I gotta gotta keep the glass half full. And according to rivals, Shamar James is better than Perkins. So, I mean. If if rivals got it right, then we know we got a great player in Shamar James, as well as Kamari Wilson, Chris McClellan, Devin Moore, Jamari Lyons, Caleb Douglas. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about with, with players in this class who will make a significant difference. Um, on top of that, and it's not really the subject of this podcast, but you and I are both excited about next year, and we'll definitely spend a ton of time during the off season. And I say off season with a grain of salt. Um, there really is no off season in football. Cause it's uh, always season recruiting just season in different phases. Yes. There's it's always recruiting season, but like I was saying before, there is no off season. The um, recruiting is 365 days a year, of course. Um, but for this Florida Gator team, the, the season is divided into different phases and we'll, we'll do a podcast, and we'll break down those phases. Um, right now, we're in foundations. And, uh, you know, 
Mark Hockey and Billy Napier are laying down the fa- the foundation. Um, almost pulled out my my southern accent foundation. Um, but we're okay, Napier's Brian. laying down the foundation, and uh, I know I say this a lot, but Neil, I'm excited. I know you're excited, and uh, it's going to be a great year. It's going to be like a movie, and um, come this time next year, 2023, with the new uh, the new facility. Um, I, I mean, the sky's the limit for this coming class. Um, highlighted by uh, Cormani McLean, as well as a, a few other five stars that are very interested in this Florida Gator program and this fantastic staff that that uh, Napier has built and is continuing to build. Scare money, don't make money. That's a, yeah, damn right. I was gonna say we. I don't think that that uh, that the way signing day played itself out merits one of your your famed Go Gators, um, because you know we did lose Harold Perkins, we did lose Trevante Citizen. Um, to uh, two rivals, and Miami's a rival. LSU is a rival. So you know we lost those guys to rivals, uh, especially because we're going to be playing Miami in twenty four and twenty five. But I guess I, I mean, look, AJ a. Harris is the other guy. Uh, you know, you mentioned Cormani. I'm looking at him and AJ Harris. We get those two. We could get a lot of other guys to suddenly turn their heads, become friends with these guys, and maybe do some some networking, and maybe get to love Florida more than they would otherwise. But I'll leave y'all with this for, for those who are saying, you know, Brian Kelly stuff Florida in a locker, which is a phrase that I just roll my eyes at because this is, again, this is their zero with classes. It has nothing to do with how they're going to fare against each other when they've both been there for a year, especially when LSU had been recruiting Perkins for much longer than Florida before the current coaches came in. But anyway, for those of y'all who are worried that Brian Kelly stuffed Florida in a locker, I would much much rather have a coach who grinds for the Florida Gators, who grinds for the program, and most importantly, grinds for the players than who grinds on the players. We got our guy. We had our chance at anyone we wanted. We said, go away to Mike Gundy. We turned down Lincoln Riley. We said, F off to Brian Kelly. This is the guy we wanted. He told us we had to be patient. He told us, you know what? It might be a bumpy takeoff. Patience. I don't like losing guys to LSU and Miami when they also have new coaches. But I recognize the fact that Napier has already done way more for a transition class than FSU did in a full class, Mike Norvell's third year. He took a guy away from Georgia that Georgia really wanted flipped a guy from Notre Dame, by the way, you know, side note, Notre Dame was probably going to lose him anyway, just a question of to where, but Florida went and took him and Florida beat out the hometown team and the legacy team for the brother of a first round NFL draft pick and a hero for the Clemson Tigers. It's going to be all right. In all kinds of weather, we will all stick together. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoy the show, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. Definitely would appreciate that. Uh, Dustin and I will be back at some point in the not too distant future. We have a lot more to talk about. We still have to talk about the Gators' new coaches that they've gotten with this new staff. We did our Vine talk for all the support staff, but 
we, we, you know, we said we have a lot of new assistant coaches like Jay Bateman, um, like Rob Sale, like Coach Chaos, now Sean Spencer, we got to talk about. We don't want to lump them into this episode. We want to give them their own show to talk about them in more detail, what we can expect from their positions when they coach the Florida Gators for a full offseason and into the season. We will do that at some point um, in the not-too-distant future. Until then, y'all, stay safe, stay healthy. We got a spring game to look forward to now. We got a baseball team and a softball team. They're going to be really, really good this year. Gator men's tennis looking really good this year. They've already, they just smacked FSU this past Saturday and, or this past Sunday, they play them again this Saturday. So if you want to see a Florida team dismantle FSU twice in the span of a week, check out Gator tennis this Saturday afternoon. Y'all go Gators in all kinds of weather. We will all stick together for F L O R I D A. Think about it. Yes, sir. Neil, I second that. Go Gators. So long, everybody.